Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast about foreign policy and world affairs. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. And in this show, we discuss topical global issues. And I have conversations with foreign policy thought leaders who discuss their life, career, and the big events that shape their worldview. So if you follow U.S. politics even slightly, you'll probably be surprised to learn that Congress actually did something last week. And deeper still, the action they took was broadly in the service of humanity. Just after the July 4th holiday, Congress passed the Global Food Security Act, which was a piece of legislation that will inform how the U.S. government fights hunger worldwide. My guest today, Judith Rowland, was deep in the trenches of the year's long effort to pass this bill. She is the U.S. government relations lead for the Global Poverty Project, and we spoke just a few hours before the passage of this bill. Judith discusses what is contained in the bill, including strengthening of an Obama administration program known as Feed the Future. And we also discuss how in such a polarized political environment, something like the Global Food Security Act could even get passed. A couple of quick notes before we start, and a disclosure that at the time we recorded this conversation, the Global Poverty Project, which is probably best known for its global citizen platform, supported my Dawn's Digest project. And if you're unfamiliar with that project, familiarize yourself. It's a global humanitarian news clip service I co-founded that offers a highly curated selection of global development, health, and security news that, frankly, if you're listening to this podcast, you are probably interested in receiving It's all free, and that's in part thanks to the support we received from the Global Poverty Project. And you can check out that at dawnsdigest.com. That's D-A-W-N-S, digest.com, or click on the link on the podcast homepage. All right, now here is Judith Rowland of the Global Poverty Project discussing the Global Food Security Act. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. So the Global Food Security Act makes a couple of really important changes to the way that that our country, the United States, operates these policies. So there's three most notable things that the bill will, will change. The first is that it it secures two years of funding for these food security programs. This is really important because, as everyone's aware, next year we'll have a new president in the United States, and it's important that we're able to take the legacies of the Bush administration and then the Obama administration forward. The second really important thing that this bill will do is it locks in two years of funding for international development assistance. This is an important program that's been really vital in the food security and and food strategy that, that the United States government has in places like Syria during the conflict right now. And the third really important thing that the bill does is creates a whole of government approach to food and nutrition security. 
So all of the 11 different agencies that are currently working on the Feed the Future initiative are able to more effectively communicate and collaborate around the pieces where, where their work uh, collides. And this is really important for making sure that agencies are talking to each other, sharing the information needed, and making these programs successful. Uh, and so you mentioned that one of the sort of big advances of this this act is that it secures two years of funding for Feed the Future. Can you describe like what is Feed the Future and what innovations did Feed the Future introduce into the U.S. government's effort to combat hunger worldwide? Feed the Future was a program that really came into conception during the, the Bush years. Um, at that point, uh, you know, Mr. Bush was looking toward policies that would make all of our country's investments in food and nutrition security as effective and efficient as possible, leveraging support from American universities and also, very importantly, the private sector. Feed the Future then became one of the, the key points of the Obama administration and has been a really vital program for State Department, USAID, and the other agencies, part of those 11 different um, agencies that are working across the U.S. government on Feed the Future. Already, the, the Feed the Future program has been incredibly successful and has helped 7 million small-scale farmers grow food and improve nutrition for 12.5 million children. Those are some results that I think we can all be very, very proud of. And what I find so compelling about Feed the Future is that USAID has created the structures and frameworks that allows the innovations being built at universities here in the United States to really influence and impact the way that our government engages with smallholder farmers in developing countries. Just to give one example, as many of us are aware, California has faced a lot of drought conditions over the past couple of years, and there's been a lot of new technology developed by agriculture departments at, at universities across the University of California system. All of this technology, all of these new innovations are really useful in dealing with drought situations in developing countries. So those best practices and those learnings that we're developing here in the United States can really help guide policies in developing countries. Well, and so how does Feed the Future do that? So Feed the Future works with local small-scale producers, particularly women, as they work to scale up their production. So this isn't about food aid. This isn't about bringing in commodities for, for farmers to, to use. This is about making sure that, that farmers in developing countries have the tools and practice needed to really be sure that they can feed people within their community. So on the this continuity or continuum of, of food security, Feed the Future and, and these types of programs are really about working with farmers to most effectively feed their own communities. And in particular, Feed the Future works with a variety of different implementing partners, including Save the Children, to be the, the eyes and ears on the ground. So, for example, the USAID would establish a contract with one of these implementing partners, and then implementing partners are able to use their resources and on-the-ground knowledge to support farmers within developing countries. And a lot of it has to do with like technology transfer and training and, and that sort of thing? Yeah, this is really about building up capacity, building up skills, ensuring that particularly female farmers are well-equipped to feed their own communities. Why female? 
Right now, over half of the farmers around the world are women, which is a surprising statistic for for most. And so it's really important that when we look at food security and nutrition security programs, we're ensuring that those programs are are helpful and impactful for women. Um, So Feed the Future was created, what, in like 2010, right? Yeah, in 2009, 2010. And uh, it... Uh, started off by identifying what, like a set number of countries that are eligible for to be included in Feed the Future? Absolutely. Feed the Future has a a list, a series of of different partner countries where those programs are implemented. And to be a partner country, you have to meet like what, certain criteria? It's sort of like a Millennium Challenge Corporation model in which countries that that both have the need and have the uh, potential capacity to implement uh, Feed the Future programs are eligible to sort of receive Feed the Future, um, you know, contracts? It's similar to to that. The Millennium Challenge Corporation is really about setting out a, a an agreement with a country that that country will take leadership on on certain elements and then the the donor market in this case the United States is is able to provide funding or support in other ways feed the future is is not set out so contractually but the premise or the basic approach is the same feed the future looks at countries like Tanzania where there is a, a need for uh, farmers to be supported and, and creates those resources, establish that technological innovation that allows farmers to to be supported and to have better yields within their own communities. So how is Feed the Future different from any other U.S. government program uh, over the you know past 50 years that supports you know, fighting global hunger? What I find so innovative and creative about Feed the Future is the integration with private sector, the integration with universities. It's it's a very comprehensive type program. And I think this is, is truly the, the ethos and the core of 21st century aid. It's no longer about just giving money or giving resources to a developing community. It's truly about bringing in a, a wide diversity of stakeholders and ensuring that the, the right resources and the right people are mobilized to solve, you know, a very unique problem that, that may be different in country to country or community to community. And I feel that just personally, Feed the Future is able to best leverage those those multi-stakeholder engagement proposals that ensure that the right resources are, are put in play. Uh, and so, as you mentioned earlier, the, the big deal uh, about the Global Food Security Act is that it takes what uh, is currently a just a program of a United States president and writes it into sort of U.S. statute and makes it sort of a, a, a sort of formally its own funding stream. Absolutely, yeah. the The Feed the Future program has been in, enacted now for many years and has had fantastic results, like we discussed earlier. But this bill will will help codify that so that the funding streams are are in place moving toward the future and so that the the great results and impact that we've seen from Feed the Future carries on through the next administration. And so you also mentioned another feature of the Global Food Security Act is international development assistance. Uh, Can you describe that in a little more detail? So that is basically sort of the kind of food aid that the U.S. delivers in man-made or humanitarian crises? So international development assistance helps the U.S. respond to natural and human-made disasters. 
And international development assistance has been around for a number of years now, but the program hasn't been authorized since the 1980s, before I was born. This is one of the the fastest growing programs within the the United States budget. And as a result of that, there's a a big importance that that Congress has oversight over this rapidly growing program and that the the spectrum of international development assistance is brought back under the the banner of the United States Congress. So let's talk quickly about the politics uh, of this. I mean, we are speaking on the day of an expected vote, and it's widely expected that this will pass. I mean, it's not going to be too close. Like, why is that? Why do you think of among all the issues um, that are dividing Congress right now that this is something that Republicans and Democrats seem to be coalescing on? Working on the Global Food Security Act has been just such a, an exciting and engaging uh, process. The Global Citizen and, and our team and our supporters, Global Citizens, have been on board with this for, for two years, and we're so happy to join a, a coalition of partners that includes Care, One, Interaction, Bread for the World, Save the Children, and so many others. This bill is is really a bipartisan effort that leverages the best of foreign assistance. This is this is about working between the parties to ensure that a program that has been successful that that's covered in fingerprints from the Bush administration in a great way is able to be codified and extended into the future. So over the the two years that that our team has been involved in the bill, we've had meetings with around 100 different uh, congressional offices to discuss the legislation, get their opinions on it, and to hopefully influence them to co-sponsor and support the bill. And, you know, not every conversation has been easy, but at the end of the day, every office that that we've met with has come to see that that this bill is really about taking a step forward and ensuring that the best of our food and nutrition security policies carry on into the coming year. Uh, like, what opposition have you faced? Well, holistically, I think um, the major problem that we faced is just the lack of understanding. There's been a couple of offices over the past two years that we've met with who said, oh, you know, I don't want to be spending any more money. I don't want to you know, drive up any deficits at spending in the United States, which I certainly understand. But when we've been able to explain that this bill, you know, is is scored by Congressional Budget Office, CBO, and, and comes in at, at no additional cost, um, those offices have been able to understand that this isn't about spending more money. This isn't about contributing to the deficit at all. So it's mainly been a, a lack of understanding or maybe misconceptions about Feed the Future and the successes that it's had in the past. But when we've been able to answer those questions back, um, we've really been able to to secure a wide list of supporters on both sides of the aisle. All right. So final question, what do you think the f- roll call vote is going to be? I think I think the numbers will look really good today. We're expecting that the vote should take place just a little after 3:20. Uh, we know that the the schedule is going to be really full today, as it was yesterday. So timing is always tentative. But at this stage, we we really feel like there will be overwhelming support for this bill. There's been such a, a wide variety of stakeholders who have come out and, and supported this legislation, which was introduced by Chairman Chris Smith of New Jersey and, and Congresswoman Betty McCollum, who both are you know such strong champions for, for global food and nutrition security. And we're going to be there in full force in the gallery to show support for them and for Chairman Ed Royce, who has championed this bill from day one. Judith, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Mark. Have a great day.
Okay, so I just looked up the roll call of H.R. 1567, the Global Food Security Act of 2016, and the final roll call was 370 yays and 33 nays, so an overwhelming, overwhelming uh, victory for that bill, which was not unexpected, but wow, you don't really see a 370 to 33 victory these days. Go bipartisanship. Oh, and just a a final note before I sign off. You've probably noticed if you've listened in the month of July that I have an advertiser this month, a regular advertiser that's been with me for a while, the uh, Northwestern University's Global Health Program, online Master of Science in Global Health Program to be exact. If you are interested in advertising with Global Dispatches, we have slots open in the coming months. Get in touch with me via the contact button. It's a great way to reach a highly and deeply engaged audience of global affairs enthusiasts. All right, we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye.